All right, if you have your Bibles this morning, or a way to get to Scripture, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to read a couple of verses here out of 2 Corinthians, beginning at verse 20. Uh, It is in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. All right, if you have it, say, I have it. All right, most people have it, so we'll go. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 20, the Bible says this, Now then, we, this is Paul talking to the church at Corinth, we are ambassadors for Christ. Not ambassadors of Christ, but it says we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him, talking about Jesus, the Christ, who knew no sin, come on, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about righteousness. I want to talk to you a little bit about righteousness. Now, very often, people try to feel righteous because they thought that righteousness was a feeling. How you feel. I feel righteous. And their thought process has been, there is none really righteous, no, not one. People want to feel righteous. You ever notice that sometimes when your environment changes, it affects how you feel? You know, sometimes you can be at work and you, whether you work in an office or you work in a cubicle or you work in a stock room and, uh, you know, it's real messy, you know, and things are kind of thrown everywhere. Or imagine your own home, you know, you're at home and uh, the dishes are not done and the bed's not made and kind of clothes are thrown everywhere. The, the, the blanket that goes on the couch is on the floor and maybe some kids are around there were toys around. You, you just, it kind of even affects how you feel sometimes. It kind of makes you feel glum. And uh, or even in your car, if you drive a car, you know, sometimes you have, you know, wrappers in there and all kind of, you know, not wrappers like, you know, the Sugar Hill Gang wrappers, but wrappers like candy. Some of you guys don't know who that is. I know Clarissa knows, but some of y'all don't know who that is. I know you don't know who that is, but, you know, what's the other girl? Izzy Galia. Yeah, her, the rapper. Not a rapper like that, but, uh, you know, candy wrappers or food wrappers or just trash in general or, you know, just papers, whatever it is, it's all, you know, it's in your car, in your back seat, just makes you feel a certain way. And then so what you do is you say, look, you know what, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of it looking like this, tired of the house looking this way, tired of the car looking this way, you know, the bed's not made, uh, you know, at home or my office, my cube. You know, sometimes I can't even work if I'm in the cubicle and there's papers everywhere and, I, you know, people are calling on the phone and, I, I, you know, being unorganized just throws me off. I don't know about you. And so I say, I've, I've had enough 
and now I need to clean it up. So I straighten everything up, you know, put stuff in piles or you know, make the bed, sweep the floor, you know, do the dishes. And then when you do all those things, you clean out your car. Uh, do you ever do this? You, you, you stop for a moment and then you look at it and you say, ah, now, you know, now I feel better. It makes me feel better. It just being clean. Sometimes I don't even feel good, you know, especially growing up when the bed wasn't made. You know, when I was real little, I never made my bed. You know, your mom's always on you about making your bed. But then I got to a certain age and then I just had to have it made. You know, or I just the room, you know, the, the whole room looked messy simply because the bed wasn't made. Make up the bed, it, t- it changes everything around, doesn't it? Just makes you feel a certain way. Well, that is true for us in the flesh and practically. But when you look at your life spiritually and the new man, we cannot go by a feeling and how we feel. See, what we do is people try to apply what we do in the natural to what we do spiritually. And if you don't feel right spiritually, what we do is we try to do things to clean some things up. Come on. Try to, we try to reconcile with people, ask for forgiveness maybe, or, you know, we ask for forgiveness from the Lord, you know, if there's some things in our life that are not right, and uh, maybe we haven't been reading our Bible, so we say, okay, I'm going to start reading my Bible, you know, every day, or I'm going to develop a prayer life, and you do these steps, and you do these things, and now it makes you feel righteous. What I want to tell you this morning is the problem with that, not that you shouldn't do those things, you absolutely should do those things. But the problem with allowing that to make you feel righteous is that that lasts for a while, and then it falls off a little bit, and then you don't feel righteous. And then you clean it up again, and then you, come on, you feel righteous again. And then it falls off a little bit, and so you're up and down, never level. To the ground. Come on. You don't, you don't, you, you, there's no consistency. There's no stability. And we want to feel righteous. See, what happens is when you, when you attribute righteousness to a feeling, it begins to develop something in us. It's a consciousness. It, it, an awareness. It, it begins to uh, uh, make us aware or conscious of sin. And now all of a sudden we have a sin consciousness. Consciousness. A sin consciousness is what develops. And, and what a sin consciousness does is it makes us aware of all the areas that we fall short. And if the devil can get you to focus on all the areas that you fall short, he knows that you'll never accomplish what God and the purpose that God has for you in your life. Why? Because your focus is on all the areas that I fall short. And what we do is we want to feel righteous because we know that the Bible says there is none really righteous. No, not one. But I want to look at that for a minute. You know what? I'm going to take you through a few scriptures today. I don't have 27 points, you know, like I usually do and PowerPoints and all that. This is just something the Lord put on my heart. And so uh, just gave me a few scriptures. So I'm going to take you to a few scriptures. Turn to Romans, the book of Romans, chapter three. Let's look at that for a moment where it says there's none righteous. Let's just look at that for a minute. Romans, chapter three. You there? 
Romans chapter 3, look at verse 9. Paul says, what then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. Verse 10 says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They all have turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Now, what I want to tell you about this passage of Scripture is what we do so often as Christians, like we do in so many other areas of our life. Come on, we'll, we'll hear something. We'll hear, we'll hear part of a conversation. Tell me if you've ever been uh, in this situation, whether you've been the conversator or the conversatee. I know neither one of those are words, but you know what I mean. So whether you've been the one speaking or listening, uh, where you hear or you say or someone hears part of a conversation, and then all of a sudden that develops something in their mind and they begin to assume on top of assuming, on top of assuming some things that are going on when really they didn't hear the fullness of what you were saying. This is how rumors get started. And I want to tell you something else, church people. This is how denominations get started. Come on now. Oh, can I get on Front Street this morning? Come on. This is how misunderstandings begin to happen. Is when we hear part of a conversation and we don't hear it all and we don't hear the fullness of what's going on. And so if you were to read this passage of Scripture and read only that passage of Scripture and stop right there without praying, without reading more of God's Word, taking it into context, something begins to develop in us, and it's that thing called sin consciousness. And what it does is it focuses you on where I missed it, where I lack, come on, where I fall short. What I've done in the past. And it weakens your ability to walk in what God has for you. It weakens your ability to walk in the purpose of God. You see, this sin consciousness comes from the fall of man. It comes from the separation of man from God. It comes from a disease that is developed in the spirit of God. And what we need to understand is that Paul is talking to the Romans saying that we were in a state where we could not get to God lest God did something for us to open the door, to rent the veil, to make a way that we could get in. We were all in that state. Paul's trying to get everybody to see that no one is righteous on their own. There is nothing you can do to make yourself righteous. Even if you do some good things and you feel righteous, the good things you did don't make you righteous. Come on. And we're going to see what does. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I told you I was going to take you through a few scriptures here this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, just go a couple doors over here to Corinthians chapter 1, chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, look at verse 34, 
Now, if you have that, say, I have it. Look at what Paul says now. See, he told the Romans, there's none really righteous, no, not one. But then he comes back with this statement right here, and he says, awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. See, because if you can awake to righteousness, you'll have no reason to fall into sin. You can't in yourself say, I'm just going to stop sinning and that's it, and I'm going to make myself righteous. It can't happen. But what we need to do is understand that God is telling us to awake to righteousness. I hope you're going to hear this this morning. I hope you, I hope you receive this in your heart, what God is telling all of us this morning, because it's important. God is telling us to awake to righteousness. Open your eyes to the righteousness that I have poured upon you. And you see, you see what people are trying to do is people are trying not to sin in order to get righteous. But if you awake to righteousness by faith, you will walk in a way that you do not have to sin. We need to have a righteousness consciousness and not a sin consciousness. You see, back over in Romans, where we were in chapter 3, down in verse 21, Paul tells him this. He says, but now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is now revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. The way that we understand that we are the righteousness of God is through faith. Let me ask you this. How does your salvation come? Through faith. Come on. For by grace you are saved through faith. It is the gift of God, not of yourselves. And so the same way that you acquire salvation through faith is the same way that you awake to the righteousness that God already has put in you through faith. You're not going to feel righteous all the time. There are times when you feel like, boy, I'm, the devil is allowing me to see and remind me of what I've done in the past. People are bringing it up. Come on. And I see where I fall short. I don't do this as well as that person. Or this person is a little better than me. Or that person reads their Bible more than me. That one is more holy than I am. That's what the devil will bring to your mind. Because, see, if he can't get you to sin... He's at least going to get you into a sin consciousness. That's what the enemy does. But God, through Paul, is telling us that we need to awake to righteousness through faith. So you have the righteousness of God through faith. You believe that you are saved. It's the only way to know. It's through faith then you must believe this morning that you are the righteousness of God. And it has nothing to do with what you do. Nothing to do with what you did yesterday. Nothing to do with your plans for tomorrow. But it has everything to do with being awakened to righteousness. See, Romans chapter 4, verse 13 says, For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law. What does that mean? It wasn't to Abraham or his seed through any deeds that he did, through any precepts or principles or laws that Abraham kept. That, That wasn't how it got through. But how did it get through? But through the righteousness of faith. 
through the righteousness of faith. Here's what we do, though. Taking you through some scripture. Flip over to Romans chapter 10. Look at the first four verses there. Romans chapter 10. Look at what Paul tells the Romans here. He says what? He says, brethren. So who's he talking to? He's talking to the brethren. He's talking to us. He's talking to you and me. So take it to heart. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they, what, may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's, what, righteousness and seeking to establish what? Their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God, for Christ is the end of the law of right, for righteousness to everyone who, what? Believes. See, what they were trying to do is they are trying to establish their own righteousness and not understanding that it is only God that gives you righteousness. See, David said, God has not imputed sin upon me, but he has imputed righteousness upon me. Nothing you can do, nothing you can do to earn grace, nothing you can do to be righteous. But everything, every righteous act you do will be as a result of already being righteous. Do you understand that? See, when you awake to righteousness, no need to fall into sin. No need to fall into I'm not as good as the next person. No need to fall in any type of depression. Come on. Or any self-abasement. Why? Because God's righteousness has been established in you. We've got to stop trying not to sin to become righteous and accept God's righteousness so that we won't sin. That's what we've got to do. He's telling us this morning, awake to righteousness. I have given it to you. It's already done. Jesus has died on the cross. Let's not crucify him again. And every time we don't believe that we're righteous, come on, I'm saying some things this morning. You got to get this. Every time we don't believe that we are not the righteousness of God, that we are the every time we don't believe that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, every time we doubt that, you know what we're doing. In effect, we're crucifying him again. And God is saying it's already been done. I've already said you are my righteousness. I've already said I've given you my righteousness. And so why then do you doubt? Do you not believe me? That's what God is saying. Why would we doubt? In fact, it is actually a form of pride when we try to be righteous apart from awakening to God's righteousness. It is really a form of pride. And what we're saying is I can do this better than you, God. You hear that? You're saying, I can do this better than you. I'm going to read my Bible more. Uh, you know, I've been reading it 10 minutes. Now I'm going to read it 15 minutes every day. I've been praying for 15 minutes. Now I'm going to pray for a half an hour. That's going to make me more righteous. And God has said, wow, really, you can make yourself more righteous than I can make you. Because, excuse me, but all I did was just die on the cross. All I did was shed my perfect blood for the remission of your sin. And then impute righteousness. And in fact, the chastisement of my peace is upon you. That's all I did. But if you can do better, 
Go ahead. You can do better than that. What is he telling us? He's telling us, listen, awake to the righteousness that I have given you. Now, look again at 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. I'm going to read it to you in the Living Bible, different translation. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Listen to what the Living Bible and how the Living Bible puts that verse of Scripture. It says, for God, listen now, took the sinless Christ, poured onto him our sins. And then in exchange, he poured God's goodness or God's righteousness onto or into us. And so you see what's happening is when, when God, when, when Jesus died on the cross, what God did is took all the sin that you have, all of that sin, and he took that and he picked that up and he put that onto Jesus. And then what he did is he took all the righteousness. I'm not talking about just a little bit of righteousness. I'm talking about the righteousness of God. He took the righteousness of God and then he transferred that, (laughs) come on, onto you and onto me. I call that the great exchange. Now, what will blow your mind about this whole thing is, see, what what happened in in the garden was God created us. And uh, he breathed the breath of life into us, created uh, Eden. And, and all we had to do was take care of that. We were in a perfect world. And in fact, we were perfect people at that time. Come on. Fully mature, we us, fully mature sons, daughters of God at that time until that was broken by sin. And so now this time, and what happened was that was broken by sin. And so now all of a sudden the devil became our master and our father. Come on. And then what happened was God said, all right, I've already got a plan. But this time, this, look at, let's listen to first, I think, I believe it's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. You all know this very well. It says, if anyone is in Christ... He is, thank you, he is a new creature or a new creation or a new person. New altogether. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. Old things have passed away. Behold, he says, look it. All things have become new. And see, what happens is when that happens to you, God has created something that's never been before. All of a sudden now there is something new, a new race a new species, a spirit that is just like God. And then he, and then what he did was on the cross, he, he took all that sin away. Now listen to what he did. This is what will blow your mind. Is he took all the sin that you have ever sinned in your life and took it away, put it on Christ. He took all the sin that you would do today, right now today, even though it's Sunday, you just came from church, He took all that sin, anything you would do today, put it on Christ. Now it's going to blow you up. But any sin that you might commit next week, next year, 10 years from now, Lord willing, 50 years from now, he took it already and put it on Christ. Come on now. He already took all the sin that you ever would commit and put it on Christ. Now, I know some looking at me like I'm a little crazy, but I'm trying to tell you what God is trying to get you to see. He's trying to get you to see that things don't work like you think they work in the world. 
Come on. That's why he's saying this morning, awake to righteousness. He said, I'm trying to get you to see this this morning because it's not a license to sin. Paul said, what what shall I do then? Shall I sin? God forbid. Because God's still your father now. So you sin, you might get a whooping. Okay. So he's still your father. It's not a license to sin. But what he's telling you is if you awake to righteousness, any sin that ever has been committed or you ever would commit is already on him. It's already been paid for. Why? Because the wages of sin is what? Death. But he's already died for you. He's already paid the cost. All you have to do is now go in. What if somebody bought you a $500,000 home and said that home is yours? And you said, well, yeah, but I might need to do some things for it. I better do a little work, you know. I better work at Kroger a little bit, save some money so I can get in that house. And the person who bought it said, I already bought the house. Here's the keys to the house. All you got to do is go in. That's what God is telling us. I've already bought the house. I've given you the keys. The door is open. All you got to do is walk through it. Awake to righteousness and you won't have to sin anymore. Because sin consciousness believes this. I've got to feel something before I know that something has happened. The parent of all religion is this sin consciousness because we feel condemned. But when you're walking, when you realize it and you begin to walk in righteousness, you don't need to feel a thing because you know that you're right with God. I heard a preacher give an example like this. He said, it was, imagine you live in an apartment and there's a landlord and you haven't paid your rent for three months. Now, something goes wrong in the apartment. Maybe the dishwasher goes out. Maybe the heat stops working. Well, you're a little hesitant to call the landlord. Why? Because you're not right with the landlord. So you're a little hesitant. I don't know. I mean, he's going to ask me for the rent. She's going to ask me for the rent. I'm not, I'm not right. And so there's a thing there. But when you're all paid up, and your dishwasher goes out, you don't hesitate. You call them up and say, look, hey, look here, can you please send the landlord up and fix this thing? I got some company coming. You don't even hesitate. You pick it right up. This is what God is trying to tell you. You have access to me, God is saying. You have All you got to do is say, I believe it. I receive it. It belongs to me. Your righteousness belongs to me. I am an overcomer. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and never again beneath. Come on. I am righteous. I have a righteousness consciousness. Here's what he's saying. Listen to what David said in Psalm 112. Verse 1, he said this. He said, praise the Lord. Blessed, blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Who's the upright? That's you and me. It's the saints of God. We just, we've been talking about this. Have you awaked to righteousness yet? He's talking to you. And he says, wealth and riches will be in thy house. And the righteous and his righteousness endures how long? Forever. Unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious, full of compassion, and righteous. 
The righteousness of God is with you. Therefore, the blessings of God are with you. But what we do is we try to establish our own righteousness. Isaiah 54, verse 13. All your children shall be taught by the Lord. And great shall be the peace of your children. And he says this. He says, in righteousness, you shall be established. So you just don't have a righteousness, but you are, in fact, established in righteousness. It says you shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear and you shall be far from terror because it shall not come near you. You have no reason to fear. You have no reason to be afraid. That's why Paul told Timothy, look, don't fear even man's face. I don't care what they say about you because you have my righteousness. You have the righteousness of God. And Paul told him that. He said, God's saying to you, Timothy, I've not given you a spirit of fear. And he's telling you and I that this morning. But of power, of love and of a sound mind. We have no reason to fear. Fear shall be far from you. The terror shall not come near you. Because you have been established in God's righteousness. Look on down. Verse 17. We know this one well. Most of us quote this, but not all of it. Isaiah 54. Look down there at verse 17. Says this. A few weapons formed against us shall prosper. It says no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Now, I want to tell you something about that. I'm not talking about just me sitting here talking to you like this or somebody talking about you. That's not what I'm talking about, somebody talking about you at work. I'm talking about that that evil that evil conversation that happens in your mind that tells you you can't do it or you are less than. That's the tongue I'm talking about. Come on. He already told you, don't fear, man. I've not given you the spirit of fear. Don't worry about what people say about you. All right, we got to get over that. And But now he's saying the devil's going to come against you in your mind. And when he asks you to step out of the boat and start walking on water, the sin consciousness will begin to tell you, man doesn't do that. We don't do that kind of thing. That's not how life works. And that's what the enemy's going to tell you because he's trying to bring that sin consciousness up to your mind. But what you've got to do is say, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And that devilish tongue that you're talking to me right now, shut up. You got to tell that thing to shut up. Because that tongue is going to be condemned. It says, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. You don't have your own righteousness. You don't have your mama's righteousness. You don't have your aunt, uncle's righteousness. Come on. You don't have the government's righteousness. Thank the Lord. You have the righteousness of God. And so you are righteousness. You have that righteousness in you. Now, we're out there now. Can I go just a little bit deeper? I want to show you one more thing. And that and that is this, is that. God just said, your righteousness is from me. And so now what you have to understand, see, it's hard for us 
even listening to this and even saying amen, it's difficult for us to see ourselves as the righteousness of God. We might think, oh yeah, God, he's given us a little bit of righteousness and that's kind of okay. But you need to understand that this is the righteousness of God. This is a divine righteousness. This is a creative righteousness. Come on. This is a righteousness that created the world. This is a righteousness that created Satan. Now, that's going to blow your mind. You think God and Satan are battling? No battle? Come on. God is God. He's almighty God. Satan is just something that he created. And therefore, no longer is Satan your master, but you are his master. Come on. You are the master of the enemy. And he's afraid of you. Because all he can give you are thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. That's all he can do. All he can do is bring up a sin consciousness to you. That's all he can do. Sin consciousness will tell you man doesn't do those kind of things. But I want to tell you that this righteousness that you have in you, it is the very nature of God that is in you. Paul is saying, know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are the very temple. You are where the Holy Spirit dwells. Holy Spirit dwells in you. And what you have in you is the very nature of God. His, I don't know if you get that or not. Let me tell you what nature is. Nature is the essence or essential qualities or attributes of a thing which constitutes what that thing is. And so everything that makes God what he is, is in you. Come on, y'all. What makes God what he is dwells in you. God gave that to you. And so why do we fear? Why do we fear anything? When you, listen, when you forget who you were and start remembering who you are, come on, then you overcome sin. And not only do you overcome sin, but you overcome the world. Jesus said, I have already overcome the world. Come on. Satan is two things. And I'm done here, really. Satan is two things, according to Revelation 12. Satan is a deceiver. All he can do is deceive us, right? You're deceived because, why? What, is, what is deception? It is simply a lie. And you know what deception does? This is how, this is why gamblers lose so much money sometimes. Because deception will, will do this. This is how magic tricks get done. Deception will have you looking over here at something while the real action is going on over here. But all the while, you're looking over here, so you miss everything that's going over here. Now, over here is all the stuff that you've done, how you've fallen short, sins you've committed, you know, the way you are, you're short, you're bald, you're, oh, wait a minute, that's me, but you're... <laughs> You know, all these things uh, that, that you see about yourself that are not good, that's over here. And over here are the blessings of the Lord, the wealth, the riches, overcoming poverty, good relationships and marriages. Come on, good relationships and families, peace, health, divine health. All this stuff is going on over here, but you are looking over here because Satan has deceived you and he's got your eyes over here. And so Revelation 12 says he's nothing but a deceiver. And then the second thing it says is he is an accuser of the brethren. That's all he does is accuse you. 
And that sometimes brings us down. That's because if it does bring us down, it's because we have not awoken, awakened to righteousness. It's because our mind is still looking over here. And he just begins accusing you. Even when you start feeling good. Maybe you have started reading your Bible a little more. Maybe you prayed a little more. Maybe God spoke to you and, and, and gave you a good feeling. You said, you know what? I am righteous. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And I, I can do this thing. I can walk. I can walk above. Even despite what all's going on. And Satan says, yeah, but you, you did this. Watch tomorrow. Somebody's going to say something about you. And he'll begin to accuse you of some things. And if you allow that to take root in your heart. Now, remember what we, we just said before. If you allow those things to take root in your heart and then begin to think, well, I need to make recompense. I need to do some things to get back right with God. When you're doing that, what you're doing is you're walking in pride and you're telling God the cross wasn't good enough. You're telling him the cross wasn't good enough. I must need to do some more things in order to get right with you. And God is saying, listen, I worked for seven days, for six days and now I'm in rest. And guess what he's telling you? He's saying, labor to enter into my rest. Don't labor to try to do things that please me simply because you want grace from me. He's saying, labor to enter into my rest. And when you do that, you will, your, your eyes will wake up wide open. They'll become wide open to what God has and who he is. And now we'll stop looking over here at all these things and we'll begin to look over here. And all the blessings that God has for us. Because, listen, how much time have we wasted walking in this over here? I mean, I can, I can testify myself. I'm not even talking to you, but I'm, I'm telling you, how much time have we wasted walking over here in this thing? Months? Years? Come on. Years walking on this thing, going up and down, feeling good, feeling bad. Some days I read my Bible, some days I don't. Some days I pray, some days I don't. I said this thing, then I ask for forgiveness. I don't know what's going on. I'm on a roller coaster ride over here. How long have we been over in this thing? I'm telling you today that we need to awake to righteousness so we can come over here because this thing has been here the whole time and is here for us now. Now and forevermore. We don't even have to work. We don't even have to talk about Satan anymore. Only reason why we talk about him is because people keep listening to him. It's the only reason why we have to keep bringing his name up. But I'm telling you, if all of us can get on the same page, and it's not the same page with me. It's not this page with the pastor. I'm talking about if all of us can get on the same page with Christ, because the Bible says have the mind of Christ. Come on, all of us need to have the mind of Christ. We need to work together no matter what position you're in in the church. But all of us need to work together to have the mind of Christ. And when we can do that, we don't even have to mention Satan anymore. Because he's now what? Under your feet. And there's nothing he can say. You don't even have to listen to him. Just something over here talking. Not even, not even bothering you. But we need to, but all of our eyes have to be open. As a church, I mean, one person's eyes can be open, and that's good for their life. But your work is not done. You have to work now to preach like Paul did to get everybody's eyes open. And I believe it starts, it starts in the family. It starts here in the local church. And we can do our part as life church by awakening to righteousness. Now, this is, has nothing to do with haughtiness. You know that? Paul told the Romans also, 
don't think of yourself more than you ought, right? It has nothing to do with haughtiness because, because you realize, like Isaiah 54 told us, that the righteousness that I have and the righteousness I am is of God. See, that's what he was talking about when he was saying there is none righteous, no, not one. He's talking about our flesh. You have to be able to separate that. There is no good thing in you in your flesh. But now he's saying, now that you know that it's not your flesh, awake to righteousness because I have established you in righteousness. I have put my righteousness in you and that's what you need to focus on. And anytime the enemy says something to you, anyone else says something to you, you can say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Come on, let's say that. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now say it like you mean it. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Somebody give the Lord a praise.